when you look at her through the eyes, you feel the magnetism, you feel the sexual energy being conveyed. When you look down at her lips, she looks down at your lips. You see, you feel these are sexual cues. When you take her hand, she grabs tighter. She puts her hand around your waist. All these things are coming in. Obviously, I'm not going to say this during the story. It ruins the fucking story. But now you understand the principles underneath it. Baby-daddy relationship in which that a younger girl is attracted to an older guy. He can't just be more psychologically mature. He also has to be physically dominant. You see fucking Johanna walk by. She's like two, three years younger than you. You walk by and she's like, Joe, what's up? She's like, is that it? That's all you're going to say to me? And I'm like, what, what else did you fucking want? You don't even hug me. You don't even hug me. I'm like, you don't even deserve it. But she wants to know that she could trust you to the delivery point of bringing me within seconds of losing my consciousness while bringing me sexual pleasure. And now we start to look at a relationship between force and sexual pleasure. I say, tell me more, dot, 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 dot. She goes, what do you want to hear, daddy? With the wink face, tongue poking out emoji. And I say, daddy is perfect. You can only ever be where you are right now. What is your podcast? It's the major investment in your life, right? The journey will always be your journey. Okay, my friends, welcome back to another Bottled Your Podcast on why younger girls like older guys and why you see them aging up so much throughout all stages of development from high school, late stage high school, uni, whatever you guys call college if you're in the US. Work moving forward is something that just lights me up to look at the social dynamics of why a younger girl always seems to gravitate towards an older guy and to break down the principles of it. We're going to get into a couple of mindsets here. We're going to get into the baby-daddy relationship. We're also going to get into a couple of principles of psychological maturity and physical dominance, these two being the top two form factors as to why a girl would want to age up and only spend most of her time, particularly in sexual space, with an older guy. You know, I love this. I love this topic so much because we're going to branch out throughout all the age ranges. It just really gets me because I remember being in high school going, why is it that no girls my age are interested in me? <laughs> like, why is this? Or if not, like, uh, that sounds very egoic. And I'm sure there was a part of me that was very much thinking that. But, you know, I've, I've always been curious about human behavior and social behavior right from the beginning. Well, before high school, even back in primary school, I've always just been able to see social cues naturally and just look at what's happening here. And I've had, I've had discussions. We had discussions with my best friends on late night sessions, late night bowl sessions in high school going that, okay, I see this social laddering happening here. Okay, I see this daddy's little girl relationship happening here. Here's the baby daddy relationship. Not that I was using those terms at the time. Like those are terms that I've created now. But you break it down and you look at it and and I feel like this is extremely beneficial, if not just from an entertaining, there's got to be a lot of stories. You guys know, if you can hear the smile in my words already, you know there's going to be a lot of stories. You know there's going to be uh, some client stories as well. There's a client story I want to get. Uh, I probably won't mention his name. I'll call him X. Client story of living in a share room, share university share, like a... Basically, several hundred people living in a dorm, essentially going to the same uni. And he was an older, he's an upperclassman, so to speak. He's about three, four years older than the girls that are typically around. And he couldn't, he didn't understand the the baby daddy relationship. And so this is a client at the time. And I want to get fleshed into that. I also want to flesh into some of my own personal relationships with girls that have been younger than me. And I guess really, guys, the, the main reason why I want to bring up this topic today and really dive into it here is because although it's something I've been observing and analyzing and breaking down and just jigging with, just trying to put the pieces of this puzzle together to best utilize 
a not only an older guy to younger girl relationship, but a younger girl, uh, but a younger boy to older woman relationship. I love this play. However, I have not been of the age since this channel started, since this podcast started. This podcast has been gone for six years, bro. It's been gone for six years, bro. And Adam at, I'm almost 28 now. Um, I'll be 28 next month in August. Adam compared to 28-year-old Adam compared to 22-year-old Adam when this channel started, the experiences I've had in between then and now is cataclysmic. Cataclysmic in terms of what it means for social dynamics, particularly when it comes to age range, aging down, aging up. Baby daddy relationships I was not experiencing back when I was uh, 22 years old because when you're 22, and see, this is a really key point, which is that, I talked about psychological maturity and physical dominance before. Why is it that guys in their early 20s don't experience a lot of the daddy's little girl mindset or baby daddy relationships? Why is it that they don't experience a lot of it compared to, say, a 28-year-old or a 30-year-old? You would be misled if you thought it was purely because of the chronological number. It's, there's actually a lot more underneath it. And when I have sat down, when I have sat down with the ancestors of social dynamics, when I have consulted the, the gods of social behavior down by the ocean, underneath the moon, I've, these are the two things that come to be. Psychological maturity, psychological maturity and physical dominance. These two things in different percentages, in different plays, in different application determine whether a girl would prefer to age up with you or not aging up and aging down is really going to get into you today so that's what i really want to discuss and what the benefit of this is really going to be my friends is for my younger audience for those of you who are listening and seeking some seeking some knowledge that you could apply into real wisdom in your own lives it not only gives you a bit of a future play and a little bit of a future proof into what's going to happen moving forward in your lives and you can start to look at and really, I guess, guys, you know, the point of this podcast is to understand human behavior, the, to understand social dynamics, to be conscious, to be aware of why people do what they do, why this girl isn't interested in you right now, but is, is interested in a guy who, you know, is a bit of a dick. <laughs> He's not, doesn't seem like a great guy, but... He's three, four, five years older, whether we're talking about high school, whether we're talking about uni, whether we're talking about out in the workforce later on in life. And it can be a very disheartening, disillusioning for a young sage in training if you are being met with this play of why these girls aging up all the time that I'm interested in, but they just won't, will not give me the time of day, will not give me the light at least not in the same quality or quantity that I would like to see. It's in, it's just, I feel like I would have loved to have had a seminar on this when I was 19, when I was 18, to have just gone through a, a little course. You could This would be one week in the course, the 12-week course. Okay, guys, let's understand why younger girls age up most of the time and why, and you look in reverse as well, we can also play this a little later on. Let me slow down here. We're only at the beginning of this podcast. I'm really just setting it up. You can also look at why, if you flip the perspective, why older guys don't mind aging down. But we're going to look at lifestyle factors. We're going to look at what are we talking about here? Are we talking about mother of children here? Are we talking about a sexual dalliance, a nuanced sexual play in which that is just a hot 
hot flash of blossoming love. Is that what we're talking about? We need to get into the sexuality of it. We get into the penetration, the PPMs. We get all of it. I wish you guys the best. <laughs> ah, I got a lot of fun for this. I got a lot of fun for today's topic. So yeah, it's great to have you guys here. If you're here on YouTube. And uh, if you do enjoy this video, I would be most appreciated if you could hit thumbs up on the down below, drop me a comment with any feedback, any big truths, any big realizations you may have had during the session. Don't forget as well, guys, to sign up to the free weekly email newsletter, The Bowl. Sip? <laughs> that was too good. I did not plan that. I swear I didn't plan that. I just happened to have water in my head. Bowl Sip, weekly email newsletter. Cheeky article each week and some updates across the universe and quotes, resources of wisdom. Just some good shit. Just good shit down there. Stay updated. Bulldojo.com. Put your email and it's free. And don't forget to connect with me on Instagram as well at uitang1, double O-I, Tang1. Good time over there as well. Although I'm really only using it two times a week. I'm, I've, been, I've been on a good routine of it. I'm only using it like twice a week. And when I do use it, I go fucking hard, but otherwise I don't use it. I used to be the guy that was using it like 10 times a day. When I say use it, I mean like posting shit and good shit as well, but it kind of messes your perception of reality if you're on these apps too much. Anyways, anyways, anyways. Not for now, not for now. Let me just rearrange this Mizu. Yeah, Mizu. Ah, okay. Okay, okay, okay. What <laughs> Yes, sir. Let's go. <laughs> It's one of my favorite sayings in Japanese. Hoda, hoda, hoda. Just with the Japanese gangsters say it really fast. <laughs> it's got nothing to do with this podcast. Uh, it's just good. It's a good way to segue. <laughs> okay. Yeah, so I've said it a few times in a few recent podcasts, and I just I want to make sure that you guys know. <laughs> so, why younger girls age up into older guys? Let's talk about the two key form factors to begin with psychological maturity and a physical dominance. So, like I said before, when I consulted with the ancestors of social dynamics and the gods of social behavior, psychological maturity is the first thing that stands out. When you're looking at pre puberty, we need to separate between pre and post, or pre and during. Well, during puberty never turns off. Well, okay, you can get into menopause and when guys just get fat at the age of 50, but let's not get into the nuances of that. Let's just talk about pre-puberty to begin with. Pre-puberty, 13 and under. I know some girls, particularly girls, enter puberty often on average two, three years earlier than their male counterparts. So you might see some girls entering puberty around 11, 12, and some outliers, of course, are going to be here or there. But generally speaking, so we don't have to have this argument all the time, let's just call pre-puberty 13 and under for the most part. You know, during primary school. I don't know what it's like for you guys in the US. You guys call that middle school maybe? Uh, I don't know what you guys call it. But in Australia and in West, in uh, Britain and UK as well, we call it, call it primary school. Primary school is year reception or prep, year zero essentially, through to year one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. Depending on what state you live in in Australia, you go into high school at year seven or year six. Now, what's important is because during this time, sexual hormones are not raging. There is really no separation between the types or the ages of guys that girls are hanging out with throughout primary school. You just don't see it. It doesn't happen until you hit high school. And when you hit high school is now where a whole bunch of 12 to 13 year olds are now getting subjected to 14, 15, 16, 17, and 18 year olds. 
and the psychological maturity is vast. It's vastly different. Particularly when the sexual hormones of testosterone and estrogen start to flow. This really starts to change who people are. You take a year eight to a year 12, take the same person year eight to year 12. They are not the same people, not even close. They are not even close. If you just, it would be so good to, if every high school did this, if they just got everyone to film a vlog of themselves answering some basic questions, like what they think about the world, who they think they are at year eight, and then the same video at year 12. Fuck, that would be so good to see. And you see the differences. You can you can look at it in your high school IDs. Just get your high school IDs and you just look at the two different photos. You're like, holy shit, that year eight was a baby. And that year 12 just looks like a fucking monster, even though he's a baby compared to who you'll be in five, 10 years past that. But anyways, psychological maturity. What is it that guys that are the same age, if not younger, then girls, let's talk about year eight and above now, coming into year eight, that they just can't offer. They just can't produce. They can't, and I'm thinking about Marjan Boo when he says that, they just can't produce. What they can't produce is a psychological maturity that offers a vessel-like mentality. We have discussed this in previous podcasts, the vessel-like mentality in which that, I want you guys to imagine a, imagine a vast ocean. Imagine a vast ocean and a container that that would fit into. A girl who is raging with sexual hormones, estrogen, and what, and many and many other chemical balances to imbalances that are going on, and all the different changes that are going on in her body. You know, she's wild. Girls are absolutely wild when they start to get those hormones start to flow on. <clears throat> they are. It's it's really the first stages in which that their feminine energy is really starting to form its true lightning. The, I, when I describe masculine and feminine energy, I often paint the picture of feminine energy. It's the creative electric spark. It's unpredictable. It's ungra- it almost seems ungroundable. It seems like it's just going to do what it's going to do and you just got to do your best not to get burnt. <laughs> do your best not to get in the way. You know, it can seem like that to some Mr. Nice guys for sure. <laughs> just relating back to old school. Older, old school. Technically old school, but it was when I was in, when I was in school. But you know, when you're uh, when you're afraid, when you're afraid of girls, when you're afraid of their uh, wild femininity, because you haven't learned to ground yourself in your own centered masculine energy. Let's uh, not get too philosophical yet. Anyways, what what guys can't provide at that age is that vessel, and we're talking about the vessel mentality here is a container for that wild energy, a psychological maturity. Psychological maturity comes from experience first and foremost. The experience to have been faced in many different scenarios. We can talk about this PG-13. We can talk about this and just from the day-to-day, from guys that you just rock up in your classroom and just getting hours on getting hours on the card, just literally getting minutes on the court with <laughs> on the court. That's not a bad analogy, actually. Getting minutes on the court with girls with their sexual energy turned on. Prior to high school, this is not a thing. You just don't have these minutes on the court. You got minutes on the court, but it's a different court. It's not a court that's infused with sexual energy. But now they're in high school, it's minutes on the court with sexual energy. And that changes everything. So that's why, and the reason why I want to start here at high school is because this is where I really started to think about it. We really started to try and observe what, why is it that Sarah, who's in my year level, always treats me like the best friend, Mr. Nice Guy, even if I'm not really being a nice guy, even if 
even and even so, even so, even if it, not just me on a personal one on one, because that can seem very biased, and maybe I'm just being super deluded about it. But even when I would just observe the naturals, when I observe my friends, why is it that it was always such a in relative comparison gigantic climb to get a girl our age, if not older? Let's not even we're not even talking about older girls yet. Just a girl our age to see us in the same way that she saw the upperclassmen, two plus, three, four, five years sometimes, depending on what year we're in. Why is that such a gigantic uh, climb? Why is that such a difficult thing? And we look about the psychological maturity that a lot of us, first and foremost, just don't have the experience. You look back now, you don't have the experience of courts on the minute with sexual energy to, how do I respond to a girl who is... Yeah, I was about to use an old school shitty term, uh, neg. <laughs> uh, when, when a girl, because it's something you don't realize, or something you don't really understand uh, prior to girls turning on their sexual energy, is that girls are pretty, girls are pretty nice, I would say, pre-sexual energy. And when I say nice, I mean, you're not going to get into a lot of fights, you're not going to trigger a lot of yourselves, no one's going to really get triggered on certain things, but when sexual energy starts to flow, girls get triggered a lot. So do guys. We all get triggered because the hormones are raging. But for the certain things, and it's like learning, and this is one thing that naturally understood very well: how to trigger girls into emotional responses that would be in their favor. That's something that naturals nail again and again, day after day, because they see it, they understand it, and we can get into a deep, nuanced talk here of where they got that understanding from. No doubt, older brothers, older sisters, friends, and family that produce conducive environments, but always older than them. Like if you look at any natural story, any natural story begins with, I had an older brother. I had an older sister. My parents used to take me traveling around the world. And what this would all amount to and accumulate to is minutes on the court with people with older sexual energy than them that have more time spent doing and using, utilizing, executing, receiving, interpreting signals of sexual energy. This is where it all boils down to. And when I'm talking about now bring this to a, back to the point here, psychological maturity. I'm not talking about what you know morality to be right or wrong. Of course, psychological maturity that does play into psychological maturity, and that's but that's a different discussion. We're talking that's not the discussion we're having. I'm trying to f- narrow this down, pinpoint this down to psychological maturity in reference to sexual energy. That is primarily why a girl would prefer to age up. Because you guys might, you'd know this from anecdotal things. I'm trying to bring some examples here. You'd know this from, and there's some good stories about to come up as well. I'm just seeing some, seeing some faces. So there's some. Oh, I was, I was just about, I, I was, I got too lost in that story. <laughs> I was, I was picturing a girl. I was just about to start talking about, and I completely lost the line that I was about to go on. What was I fucking about to talk about? Psychological maturity based on sexual energy? Shit. All right, we'll come back. I'm sure it'll come back to it, but this is, this is what's going to happen. When I've got a lot of things I want to dive into, we're going to just dive off here and there. Psychological maturity anyways, rooted in the sexual energy. Okay, fine. We're going to go into the story now then and hopefully it'll come back to me. So well, the first one of the first times that I realized this was when I was in the library. I was in year 10. And don't worry, this because guys, this is going to be a long podcast. We are going to explore every age range. We're going to go in through early 20s and late 20s as well. But this is where it all begins. This is the foundations of your sexual energy development and turning those switches on. So, And to look back and understand what was happening is just brilliant. 
year 10. So that means I'm 16 years old. One of the first times I realized that, hey, it is a lot easier to get sexually polarized, to interact with a feminine being who is younger. It didn't really dawn on me until roughly year 10. And of course, I'm just one of one. I'm sure guys would have experienced it. Uh, Well, maybe not actually. Maybe not because year eight and year nine, you're still just a baby and you're really not aged up that much by... There's not much of an age gap is what I'm talking about. So maybe that's why I didn't really, maybe maybe that's why this is the first time that I really experienced it. But it's just what I'm, and it's nice to look on now, but to figure that out now, but looking at it now is definitely the first time was in year 10, going into the library and there would be, you know, when you're like, you've got your class, you say you do English class, English computing or whatever. And it's like, you got to, it's like free range. It's like free range animals right here. You just go ahead and you, you, search your, you search your Aboriginal history, you search your whatnot, and the teacher's in that room, but everyone just goes and gets their own books and shit. And so you have the opportunity to mingle with all the other different students that are from different classes in the library. I remember for the first time just doing nothing, just not even actively attempting to be attractive, to do, to get her attracted, to in, even engage her at all. Just to rock up on a table of, I would say there's probably five or six year eight girls. They're all doing their got their pencil cases out and their their books and their study. And there's a bookcase directly behind them, but you know it's like slammed up against the chest. So I'm like, ah, uh, girls, I just need to get this this old bookcase, Aboriginal history. And but it's like I'm not even like aware. Like yeah, they're they're attractive girls. They were pretty girls, but they're year eight girls. So it's like in your mind, I guess, if you, in my mind at the time, it doesn't register a signal of where, whether I should be nervous, whether I should be anxious about this. So there's no like fluttering in the stomach. There's no, not, not that I would recommend that that is the response system you wish to entertain. Hopefully you do the training later on in life to reinterpret the signal of an attractive woman to be excitement and not anxiety, hopefully you go down the path of the journey of social dynamics to rewire those mental perceptions. But at the time, it's 100% understood, we can all relate to this, that when you're in high school and you see an attractive girl, yeah, you do get nervous, you get anxious, you feel the butterflies, you want to throw up a little, just just a little. <laughs> but of course, but that didn't happen. And I remember this happening at the time, of course, I'm not thinking about this, I just see there's a group of girls at a table and the table's really close to the bookcase, and I need to get this book in Aboriginal history because I need to fucking nail this presentation. So I want to slide my way in, and I just say to the girls, yo, girls, in the most nonchalant way, as you would, right? If you're not nervous, if you're not anxious, as you would, just, yeah, I've got to get to this book. You can't get in the way. You can get out of this way. You can get in this book. Yeah, this book. <laughs> I just remember how... <laughs> How I probably came off as a bit of a dick. <laughs> to be honest, I probably came off. Uh, I did say, I sure, sure as hell did not say please. Yeah, not say please. I did not, Mr. Waterworth, my way in going, nom, nom, excuse me. Nom, nom. It was not like that at all. Although I'm sure I can all remember times where you waddle your way in. No, this was just a full balls out. And, and so, and that's, but that's normal, right? Because you don't see these girls as sexual interest. At this stage, at least in your development, only girls of your sexual interest would cause a certain reaction within you. 
And so, but, so anyways, playing that out, playing out the mindset behind me, it's like as if there was a giant magnetic block just shoved into my sternum, just this giant block of magnet. And all of a sudden the girls, as if like they were previously just, you know, chatting and talking about whatever before, all of a sudden, all of them now, attention, just vacuum straight onto me. And it's like, they were all just like, wait, wait, sorry, what? They're like, what? what? Are we in the way? Oh my gosh, what? What? And it's, everyone's now, it's like there's a spotlight put on me and they're just waiting, waiting to see what's going to happen next. And I'm like, well, you just need to get out of the way. Just I get this book. So I get this girl to literally stand up, get out of her chair. I go get the book. And I'm like, ah, thanks. And I just walk away. And then one of them turns back and says, but hey, what are you doing? And I'm like, what do you mean, what am I doing? going back to my class because I'm in English computing right here. And she's like, oh, but aren't you, in, uh, aren't you in year 10? Aren't you in year 11? I'm like, yeah. What's your name? And she's like, oh, my, should I say her name? <laughs> yeah, okay, I'll say her name. This has gone back years and years now. She's like, oh, my name's Joe. I'm like, oh, okay. Uh, well, anyways, see you. <laughs> and I just walked off. <laughs> Despite the ridiculous amount of sexual interest being played here. Of course, now this is guys. Uh, it's it's you might think that using that term, sexual interest, is like, but really, at that age, it's like, yes, this is just what political society will not tolerate. Though, will not tolerate that, even though we teach sex ed from year seven. No, yes, if not earlier, year six to year seven, which is basically eleven-year-olds and twelve-year-olds get taught sex ed. Yet we pretend that they don't have those hormones or don't act upon that throughout the rest of their schooling time. And they can't have sex until 18. Yet we teach them about it at year 11 and 12. It makes a lot of sense. It makes a lot of sense. <laughs> but anyways, that was exactly what was going on in that story, which is that I didn't register it at the time until I went back that night and I was sitting down with Homeboy, uh, a couple of my mates, and we're probably shooting hoops or something, and thinking about, because we always used to come home and report on the day's learnings. Not just not from English computing, but from, you know, you're talking about the girls that you had this conversation with, or she was throwing you this interest. You know, you talk about this shit. Right? Maybe not all guys talk about this shit, but me and my friends, that's all we talked about, which is social dynamics. We just didn't call social dynamics at the time. Talk about social laddering, talk about this guy who fucked that guy over, talk about these girls that abandoned these girls. You just, we loved it. I absolutely loved it for hours and hours with all my friends. Well, not all of them, not all of them, that's wrong. That's wrong. Closest friends, we would just have seminars. We would have UN conferences on social dynamics at the age of, from 13 and onwards, essentially. Yeah, even, I remember in primary school, we were still doing that. We had to really, yeah, and shout out to Adam Ovadia. Shout out to Adam Ovadia, one of my best mates in primary school. Hope you're doing well, mate. Okay, okay. So, what was the point of that story? The point of that story was that it wasn't until later on, because I was not schooled, literally was not schooled in the baby-daddy relationship. And this just continues to play on throughout high school. And now that I'm 28, it just manifests so much. Whether it's girls that I'm meeting at the beach, girls that I'm meeting on, that I've met through online apps, Tinder, Bumble, which again, guys, just, I always feel as I have to say this, is the tiniest of percentage of the way that I meet people. It's like, I really can't be fucked with those apps. They, for many years of my life, they were not installed. Not until COVID were they really installed on my app, on my phone. 
It's amazing how this COVID situation and life has changed so much. Oh. Anyways, anyways, anyways. <clears throat> how it keeps manifesting, but coming back to this first story, it was just the first time. It was just the first time that I realized, oh shit, looking back, that girl, and actually not just her, but her friends, it was almost like they had we were either powerless or undescribably, unexplainably able to unexplainably magnetize towards an upperclassman of a male particular sexual energy. What's going on there? What's going on there? We're talking about psychological maturity. Ah, I think that's the point that I lost before. Psychological maturity, ability to hold the vessel. What do, my, what do most guys do that are of the same age that they're currently experiencing? And this is what I love, is that when, when you talk to girls that are younger than you, about why, and I, I would all the time, once I started to get into, create connections with these girls, I would ask them specifically, point blank, hey, why aren't you seeing a guy that's your age? I would routinely ask girls through that throughout my time in high school, girls that were younger than me. <clears throat> Because my first monogamous relationship, proper one, in high school was actually at this age, at the end of year 10. I had a girlfriend before that, but that incepted during primary school and then carried on throughout into high school, throughout the first year, first half year of high school. But in year 10, it was my my first ever long-term girlfriend and where I lost my virginity to when I was 16. She was two years younger than me. There's a baby dad of relationship. And we talk about the psychological maturity again. The vessel-like mentality is what do you get back to here? You can't, younger guys can't provide. And you ask girls and get back to why you can't, why aren't you seeing guys your age or younger than you? It's like, well, they just, you know, they, they can't take them seriously. Can't take them seriously. Now, what does that mean when a girl says can't take him seriously? Is it that he's just an absolute clown? Because actually, that doesn't make a lot of sense. There are a lot of girls my age who are with absolute clowns that are much older than them. Like guys that are just the jokesters, guys that are just, they don't seem like very serious guys. They don't seem like very mature guys. Like they don't, they're not running investment farms down in Tasmania type guys. <laughs> so what do you mean by can't take him seriously? A girl could never really articulate it to me, at least at that age. But looking back now, it actually seems very clear that the psychological maturity they're talking about and the seriousness that they're talking about is the seriousness to deny them. The seriousness to deny, to accept and deny, to play judgment, pass judgment on her behavior, on her mindsets, on her way of being, on her energy. The passing of judgment is really what determines psychological maturity and seriousness. Because what you're saying there when we talk about passing of judgment is the accept or deny, accept or deny. The accept or deny, which is that I'm willing to tell you if you're fucking up. And I'm also willing to tell you if I'm loving you as well. Guys of the same age level, particularly when they're much younger, when they say that they don't take us seriously, is that nothing they say has weight. Nothing they say or do has weight to it in the way that a judgment has weight. And I'm not talking about like bullying judgment. I'm talking about judgment of qualification. Literally what qualification is, which is just beautiful to look at it now. The power of your qualification in a cold interaction rests within your ability to either accept or deny and stand by it. To go to ex- if you say to a girl, like, "Listen, you met her on the street, or you met up in the club, 
and you make a qualifying statement of someone to the effect of, yeah, you know, I'll see you, I'll see you and your friends, but to be honest, this doesn't look like your kind of place. You look like the kind of girl that's just in the library all day, where's your pencil case? <laughs> and so that's, that you stand behind that. And then when she responds back to it and she goes, what? Absolute, what are you, you talking about? You don't even know me. You don't even know me. How could you even say that? In that moment there, what you decide to return with really shows whether you're playing that passing of judgment, qualification, psychological maturity. A psychologically immature guy would back down. He would break. His frame breaks when the woman challenges, tests, teases, or challenges back to him. We're getting into super micros now, but the micros only explain the macros. The micros of qualification, and qualification being the inception of attraction, the inception of the fire between two people in which that we get to understand, do we have a sexually polarized energy here? Through the process of tease, test, and challenge, we'll find this out. What a lot of uninitiated and underschooled practitioners, if not even just dabblers of social dynamics, don't realize is that qualification is not just done the moment you stop talking. Half of qualification is in how you respond to their qualification, to their response to your qualification. So if I chuck out to a girl like, yo, you, you see this absolute dime piece who's up in the bar and she's got three or four of her friends around and, you, and maybe, the, maybe all three of her friends are listening as well, but you're directly focused on one girl and you're looking at her straight down the barrel of her eyes and with the most centered, grounded, framed up energy. You don't belong here. Cheeky smile as always, but you don't belong here. Where's your pencil case? <laughs> Where's the books? Right? <laughs> it just lights me up. <laughs> oh, good qualification lights you up. When it's present, when it's real, when it's not canned. And it's like, I'm, because literally in that moment, I'm literally just visualizing a girl that I'm staring into her eyes. And uh, it's, it works even better because I'm picturing an absolute dive piece. And it's just straight up. Now, the absolute noob, the absolute Jeffrey would go in and say, oh, write that shit down. Write that shit down. That's a good opening line. No, it's not. It's terrible. It's a terrible opening line. If you try and repeat that, you'll get, you'll get a drink on your head. You'll get a fuck you and a turn around. That's all you'll get. It has to be present. Your qualification has to be present. It's just that right now I'm in the fucking flow. And so that lit me up. But anyways, half of the qual- that was only half the qualification. I had to light her up on where the fuck's your, book- where the- where the fuck's your pencil case in your books. The other half of the qualification puzzle or equation I should say is in how she responds particularly if you're going to be that aggressive and polarizing at least in uh polarizing is the right word aggressive I don't mean that dangerously I mean that sexually I mean not dangerously sexually just sexually in terms of yeah there's a lot of heat behind it particularly in the how it's said not what you're saying notice the pauses notice the cheekiness to it notice all these things micros we're in a deep micro discussion right now so I will go into this. Like I said, rump steak. Well, I said this in another podcast. This is my rump steak. The other half of the qualification equation is how you respond to her response to you. So she will go, if, if you're going to give her something very sexually charged and something very polarizingly charged, it is without a doubt going to come straight back at you, particularly with a girl who is feeling herself. She's confident. She's not going to take shit. She's not going to let anyone just roll up in here and just uh, tell her what it is and how it's going to be. 
She's got her own builder form. So she's going to come back at me with a lot, with if not the same intensity, if not more. It's how I respond to that intensity. If she comes back and saying like, who do you fucking think you are? You think you can just come up in here and tell me who I am? Right? Who the hell do you think you are? You are I would expect something like that back. If it's the type of girl I'm picturing, if it's the type of girl I'm picturing who's just top class, she's feeling herself to the highest of degrees. She's a black belt of feeling herself. I'm expecting an arm bar to come back at me. I'm expecting a rear naked joe to come back at me. I'm not expecting a tap. I'm not expecting no tap. <laughs> so if I was to back down, if I was to tap to whatever her next move is going to be, there all of a sudden you start to realize that there's no chance of a baby daddy relationship or daddy's little girl relationship, an aged up relationship, a separation in age relationship to be formed. It's just not going to happen because all of a sudden the first key principle of psychological maturity is broken. If she was to come back and say, question my question, who I am, who the hell do you think you are? Right, come on up here tell me who I am. Right. Where do you get off saying that? If I was to go, oh, oh, no, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Listen, listen, listen. I didn't mean it. I was just, you know, just just want to come up and say hi. You know, I just want to say hi. My, my name's Adam. My name's Adam. My name's Adam. What's your name? What's your name? What's your name? Shake out the hand. Give a hand, right? And you just back down. You just break on it. I mean, that wasn't even a bad backing down. Like, that was me trying to trying to do the best version of backing down. It could be a lot worse than that, though. It could be... It could be a complete, just, I'm, oh, listen, I should have said that. I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. You know, that, that would be the worst. That would be absolute worst. Because that's what would disappoint her the most. If you're going to go up and throw some fire at someone in a obviously sexually teasing way, you better expect it to come straight back at you and you better expect to play in the dance. Because she wouldn't be sending the fire back if she didn't want a little taste herself. <clears throat> we all want to see how hot the fire is. None of us want to get burned. Very few of us want to get burned. But we all want to see how hot the fire is. What's the human instinct, my friends? You see a fire, what do you want to do? I touch it. Nah, touch this fire, right? <laughs> because you know, though, every time you, throughout all your experiences in life, what happens when you touch the fire a little too long? You get burnt, right? It fucking hurts. It doesn't matter. Every single day, I put a fire in front of you, there's going to be a human instinct to say, hmm, I wonder how hot that shit is. But even if someone told you it's 500 degrees, yeah, I don't believe you. <laughs> I'm going to touch it anyway. That's, human, that's the human uh, curiosity that we're talking. So expect the fire to come back. And oh, I just want to wrap up this micro on because we've got on a deep, deep micro here. But actually, it's it's not off topic though. While it is a deep micro, it is very much on topic in which that... If you break down on the psychological maturity point, then it doesn't matter how physically dominant you are. Yes, 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 sir. This is what I'm talking. This is this is how it all wraps up. This is how it all comes into play because there's this thing that I used to talk about and that I've thought about a lot, which is that <clears throat> in order to form a baby daddy relationship in which that a younger girl is attracted to an older guy, he can't just be more psychologically mature. He also has to be physically dominant. But at the same time, if he's only physically dominant, but not psychologically mature, more mature, then it's all for nothing. <clears throat> Physical dominance is not the only, it's not only is it not the only, you can't have just 
physical dominance and rely on that to incept and to foster a baby daddy relationship. You have to have both. It's a combo. It's a rap combo. It's a rip kimbo of psychological maturity and physical dominance. Yes, this is probably going to be the next point we get onto. We haven't even discussed physical dominance yet, though. I mean, it seems like a like a really straightforward principle. Probably will be, but we might get into some stories of that time, though. So don't worry, guys. We're here for a sesh. We're here for a sesh. Don't uh, don't uh, slow down. Huh? Slow down. <laughs> right, so I get ahead of myself with these podcasts. Especially when I've been doing a lot of short clips lately, like I've been doing a lot of 10-minute videos lately, so I'm used to having to say things and wrap up points really quickly, not go into stories, but that's what I love about the Potos, P-O-T-T-O, by the way, not P-O-D-D-O, you get into stories. Okay, so yes, wrapping up that, I'm not saying it twice, I will wrap it up here, probably. <laughs> Psychological maturity is the vessel. Okay, okay, okay. Let's actually do it here. Psychological maturity is the vessel in which that you're actually able to contain the wild voraciousness, the veracity, the abundant electricity of which the feminine energy is, particularly when the hormones are raging early stage, but it also applies into later stage as well. Late late teens, early twenties, late twenties. Listen, if a feminine if a feminine being is in tap with her sexual energy, she's gonna be wild. How wild depends on her set point on the scale, but electric spark creativity is what she is. That's what feminine energy is, right? Especially if she has a lot of it. It's just you see this turn on a lot at a younger rate. What's most important is that you can maintain the vessel for that. Now let's get to some tactics here. What does that mean? What does that mean, maintain the vessel? Passing judgment. Passing judgment to accept or deny her behavior is essentially the vessel. That is the, when I talk about the vessel in macro, you probably get a sense of that, oh, I'm just, I'm there for her. You could get her romantic with it. You could get her, I'm just, I'm unshakable. I'm undeterrable. Immovable. Indestructible. These words come to be when you start to visualize what does it mean to be a vessel for a woman. It's true. It's true on a very big terms. And you can get, like I said, we're very romantic about it that if she's having an absolute shit house day, if she's, Best friend's just fucking backstabbed her. She got cheated on by her boyfriend. Yeah, with that, our parents divorced. Yeah, dog died this morning. And you can just be there. Strong, firm, centered, grounded. You're in one mind. You're in one frame. You're empty. So she can fill. This is a vessel-like mentality when I'm throwing out here. The vessel-like mentality is that no matter what goes on in her life, what, what goes on, no matter what goes on in her emotional state, you're indeterred. It does not matter because I'm psychologically mature enough to be your vessel. In order to be the vessel for a woman, particularly a girl younger than you, you have to have the vessel-like ability, the vessel-like mentality in which that, okay, it does not matter. It does not matter. While you may not, and the questions I know, the questions in your mind pop up, but is this really what a older guy should be seeking to be the vessel for a younger girl? This is a good question. Coffee on a flame. This is a good. This is a good question. Not for right now, though. Let's maybe get back. That's probably going to come up later in the podcast. I just don't want to get off this too much right now. We're just discussing the vessel right now. Just, just know 
just know that that vessel-like mentality is a huge part of the psychological maturity in which that you're able to handle her emotional waves. Her emotional disturbance is not disturbing to you. That you can be that vast void. That, that, that empty universe. You can be an entire universe for her for which all of her planetary-sized emotions can find their way, can find their space. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. That is the visualization. You are the empty universe. She is the planetary-sized emotions that will come in and find their space and come into the natural gravitational pull that will find their arrangement, their alignment within the sky. Younger guys cannot do this. So the psychological maturity is not there. We have not talked about it sexually yet. We will get there. Slow down. It's very romantic though. I love the romance. I love a bit of heart to heart. Don't you? Don't you? Don't lie to me. Don't be sitting there going, (laughs) Don't be denying yourself, Jeffrey. Do not be denying yourself. Uh, we all love a little Disney magic. And listen, like I often, I go both ways on the Disney. Disney is great in some ways. Disney is terrible in other ways. Disney gives people the wrong ideas in some ways. Disney gives people the best ideas in other ways. So I take, it's just like, just as Bruce Lee said, right? Take what you can, take what's useful, discard what's not, and make what's, uh, apply what's uniquely yours, right? Synthesize, synthesize into what's uniquely yours and go ahead with that. That's what I do with all things. Like there are, there are, so many life lessons from anime that I apply in my regular life, but not all of it. And there are a lot of things from anime that I would definitely not apply in my life, but there's a lot that I do. Anyways, moving on that. The romance, the love is all I was talking about there. It's good to think about things from a deeper, more romantic, loving space, particularly if we're about to get into some very sexual details soon. Okay, let me just take a quick moment just to make sure we've tied up what we need to tie up. No, we have not. No, we have not. We've talked about the vessel. We talked about psychological maturity. We need to talk about. We need to talk about, but this is because we talk about judgment. We talk about the accepting and the denying of whether her. So even if you guys were just to look back on that first story I told you about me essentially just being a dictator in a sense of saying you need to get up and move, and. I wasn't intentionally being a dick. I was just, just like, I just, I'm indifferent to your prettiness. I just need to get my book, right? And I was, but I was unapologetic about it. Just did not care. There was zero fucks given. Yeah, go get this book. And it's very magnetizing. And I just did not realize it at the time. There was another, there's another deep, deep high school story as well that I would like to go into. But what I really wanted to talk about here with the baby daddy relationship in terms of psychological maturity because now you can actually start to get beyond the high school examples, and maybe we should. But there's actually a lot of high school stories I've not told yet. Maybe we'll come back to it. But anyways, we're on this now. So the baby-daddy relationship, as you start to get a little bit older on, in terms of psychological maturity, is also one of not only worldliness, uh, intelligence, not so much. Worldliness, yes. Intelligence, not so much. Let's talk about this for a second. You do not have to be Albert Einstein or Stephen Hawking to incept a baby daddy relationship. And when I'm talking about baby daddy relationships, you guys might stray off into sugar daddy. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm not talking about the interference of financial compensation. I'm not talking about that at all. Please keep that in mind. 
I'm talking about this purely on energy. That's the only thing that's been uh, communicated between the two. Currency of emotions. That's all we're talking about here. You don't have to be that intelligent because when I look at going up into uni now, okay, let's change the examples here. Going up into uni, for those that don't know, I've, I've spent an accumulated one year and two weeks at uni. <laughs> I spent two weeks at human movement, which is basically exercise physiology. And then I did a whole year doing a bachelor of media, but majoring in photography. So I was really, I was only doing it for the photography. So I did get, I did get, I did get enough time. I got enough time, got enough reference at high school, at uh, uni. And when I went to uni was, uh, I was like early twenties. It was not out of high school. Okay. It's when I was transitioning from my personal training business into portrait and fashion photography. So, 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 so. Yeah. The intelligence point is what I want to go on there, which is that I would often see uh, guys that were roughly around my same age were about, you know, if I was 21, 22 at the time, but you would have 18-year-old girls in the uni lectures and 18-year-old girls in the seminars and in the toots. Remember these toots? And I would see this very similar interesting point that I would see in high school, same thing applied in uni, which is that it's actually not, the psychological maturity isn't founded upon whether he can teach you algebra or whether he's he, he knows Pythagoras theorem, or you know he knows how to carry the one. <laughs> that that was never really a key determining factor of what really psychological maturity meant. Psychological maturity was also the ability to play the daddy, and this is where I kind of wanted to get into. But it's like, are we here yet? Because I haven't talked about the sexual shit, not yet, anyway. But it's like it plays in the daddy, the daddy vibe. The daddy, I was going to say wrapping paper. Wrapping paper is probably not the right term though. The vibe, but the vibe seems too aloof as well. What is it? It's the, if I can't find the perfect word for it, I'll just roll a vibe. Essence, let's go with that. Let's go with essence. The daddy essence and the essence of what it means for a girl to feel like, oh, this guy's my daddy. Chronological age, helps but it's not a predetermined or predicated factor you can have bullshit mr nice guys who are much much older than you that a girl will never see him as the daddy and we're going to talk about what daddy means as well we haven't even defined what that means that's what i'm saying we're kind of jumping stones here we're kind of skipping all stones here but let's just stay with it but the daddy essence from a psychological maturity point of view was that i can mentally dominate you this is where we're going to get into, yes, this is going to get very sexual from this point on. I can feel it. It's where it's that if I, if I wanted to beat you up psychologically, if I wanted to, and I don't mean that aggressively, even though that sounded aggressive, it's not actually the intent behind it. When I say beat you, when we beat you up is not good for the social justice warriors. It's like turn you into a pretzel psychologically. If I wanted to do that, I could. That I understand, because remember guys, I mentioned the word worldliness before. Not intelligence, but worldliness. If you were to take two guys, one who's got a, whatever, the top level IQ, whatever that is, whatever gets him into that Mensa community. He got the top level IQ. Let's just say it's off the fucking charts. He's top 1% of the world. He's that intelligent. He can carry the one all day. (laughs) And then you got a guy 
who's maybe, I don't know, just average, average IQ. He's not an absolute loaf. He's not an absolute fish. He's not an absolute doge. <laughs> Why is that a word? I don't know. But, oh, man. Uh, he's not an absolute doge. Do- <laughs> it's such a good word to describe a buffoon. <laughs> I love that word as well. As well. Buffoon, fool, doge. It's all good words. It's all good times here. So <laughs> let's stay with it. So he's not one of those. He's not an absolute fool, but he has top level worldliness. And what that is to say is that he is so street savvy. He knows people. He not only has he traveled to a lot of different places, he's experienced different cultures, experienced their different foods, their different mannerisms, the way in which that they communicate and extrapolate and expand their minds into this physical mechanical reality. This is what he has reference in and that he's made mistakes. He's failed a lot. He's failed again and again, taken the wrong left turn, gone right when he should have gone left. He's gone on that bus when it should have been that one. Like just deep in physical reference, the worldly, that is what worldliness is to me, that he's just made so many mistakes, but has survived anyway. That's, and that to me, and now, so if you just look at those two things, the worldliness versus the intelligence, which one do you think has the greater chance of inspiring a baby daddy relationship? Which one do you think has a greater chance of making a girl see him as, oh, you're my daddy? I'm going to get a daddy relationship out of this, which is very, very sexual, but it's not only sexual. We haven't really got to the physical dominance yet. We haven't. We have not. We will, though. We're talking about psychological maturity right here and the psychological dominance. Who do you think will psychologically dominate a younger girl more? The older guy with more worldliness or the older guy with more intelligence? i give you a pause there to answer that pretty pretty rhetorical question almost now. If you didn't get it, worldliness. That's what I'm talking about with psychological dominance. And when I talk about, when I said beat up before, but then changed my words to turn you into a pretzel, that is the psychological part of what makes a girl see that, oh, this guy's my daddy. This guy could be my daddy. The psychological part of that is that he could, he understands the... If you really want to dive into the fabric of it, he understands the very fabric of the universe to a degree in which that I have no conceptualization of. While this conversation is not consciously happening in her head, it's just something that you feel. And you guys know this. You can reference this. You can anecdote this in your own life. To the people that, to when you were in first year high school, looking up to the year 12s, the, the seniors who are the last year of high school. If you're first year in uni and you're looking at the latest stage, you're looking at the PhDs who are doing their final theses. Are you looking at five-year gaps, essentially? Looking at five-year gaps in age? It almost seemed like this person is an adult compared to you, and you're a baby compared to them, psychologically. But it was never based on intelligence because there were probably year eights, when you were year eight, that were more intelligent than some year 12s, yet were not able to psychologically inspire the same phys- uh, psychologically dominant and sexually dominant relationship that would inspire baby to daddy as the year 12 who was less intelligent but more worldly. He just has five years more of dealing with sexual energy. And this is where it all starts to piece together, starts to wrap up back together. 
So that's really one of what I wanted to, those are the real two key things I realized we can summarize now. Looking into it, it's just that there were so many pieces that have to be explained without getting into other things. We will, I'm sorry, I, eh, I don't really apologize, but I, I trust that you guys are intelligent enough or switched on enough to hang with me. I try to make it as clear as possible, but when we're talking about things like this, where we're having to consider so many different factors, things are going to get a little uh, bamboo-y. We're going to get a little bamboo up in here. <laughs> so psychological maturity is the ability to provide a... Yeah, let's get it. Psychological maturity, finally now. Psychological maturity. Just think about this. Psychological maturity is the ability to provide a vessel in which that you are able to encapsulate all of a younger girl's emotional wildness, her wildness, her inability to control her own emotions. But you're going to be that rock. You're going to be that empty universe, that space for her planetary-sized emotions to find their alignment. Right? That's what it is on a very macro sense. In a micro sense, it's very much the psychological ability through experience, through worldliness, not intelligence, which what does that say essentially is just the reference points of having dealt with sexual energy and not just life experience, but that, but that is life experience. Everything we do, everything that we say, everything that we engage with, everyone that we engage with is a sexual being. Everything is the polarity of masculine to feminine energy, of the yin to the yang, of the fire and ice. Right? Everything is this polarity happening between the two. And the more that you get out of your bedroom, and this is something I was thinking about myself the other day. I was out all day yesterday just meeting people on the beach, out in the getting... <laughs> In the fucking IGA, right? Just just chatting it up. It's just been so many people across the entire day. And I spent most of the time out yesterday. And I got home and I finally hit the bed. And I was like, there's there's really not that much to be learned in your bedroom. It's like it's just like it's just a nice little thought that came across my mind is that you would you would learn so much if you just got outside your bedroom. Even if not to do grand things, just to get out of your bedroom and just to go down to the beach. You got all this opportunity to learn from people, learn from the universe outside of your bedroom and all of that the universe contains. It's just your containment box within your bedroom. There's such little to be actually learnt. And then you guys will go, but what about the seminars and what about podcasts? And I was like, Adam, I'm in this podcast right now in my bedroom listening to you. It's like, yeah, but you're not actually learning anything on a referential standpoint. You are gaining clues. You are gaining fingerprints to which that you could find a murder weapon which would actually provide you real wisdom aka you might listen to this podcast and when we especially when we get to this sexual uh the more sexual parts of this podcast which is definitely going to probably be the most tactical stuff right now we're just understanding the psychology of it but some of you right now could have already if you were switched on enough already gone and go and you might need some time after this podcast but to go and look at okay so maybe I need to stop being less intelligent with girls and more worldly. Maybe I need to stop focusing on reading so many books and start living. Maybe if I lived life more, met more people, went out, applied my social dynamics, actually made mistakes, actually fucked up to learn what it means to mess up my eye contact, to completely inflect high pitch vocal tonality, to be a leaf in the wind with my body, make all the mistakes of my 50, have the indirect intent, you just have the completely Mr. Nice Guy vibe. Whatever your vibe's going to be, make all the mistakes, make all of them, rectify them, get better, stronger, and now all of a sudden you have worldliness. This is what the worldliness is. Some of you may have pieced this together already and go, 
Maybe it's not the books. Maybe it's not the podcast. Maybe it's not the seminars. Maybe it's when I actually just walk along the beach, I take a deep breath, and I go back to say something to her. That I actually, when her, when that person lingered a little too long, that, per, that human being, when I looked at them as we were crossing, they, they lingered a little too long, which now through the practice, through the reps of actual human behavior and practicing human social dynamics, I know what that means, which means that they're looking for a time. They're looking for a real time. So I will take a breath if I need to, back step, run back around, or just, hey, hand out. Yo, what's going on? My name's Adam. My name's Adam. You know how many conversations that I start that literally start that way? Where, whether it's at the beach, or it's at the supermarket, where the hell am I might be? And it's just that someone looked at me slightly too long. Just half a second, if not that. It's probably fractions of a second, actually. You know, it's probably beyond the first micro fraction of a second of just, okay, that's registering an object. I'm registering a human being in my optical space. But then in the second micro fraction, second micro, okay, that's a male and that's someone I could potentially be interested in. And then in the third micro, okay, yes, I am actually interested in this person. And then in the fourth is when they give you that, I wonder if they're interested in me. And so it's like four fractions of a second that they go through this process of registering from registering you as a just physical moving object in their optical space to, okay, actually, maybe I might would want, maybe I would want them to come up and say something to me happens in that's it's, it's it happens that fast but if you practice this and all of a sudden you recognize that that extra lingered the fourth micro fraction of a second where they go maybe maybe oh, i wonder what it would be like if they would say hi to me what it would it would be like if you came up to me it's like ooh. and it's not that that comes it's like ooh, it's ooh. but it's not of course that conversation can't happen in their mind it's happening too fast it's on a fucking fucking light speed subconscious level that's when it's happening but to recognize it, you also have the capability, my friends, to recognize those social cues at the same speed. It just takes training. It takes training to not only interpret the social cue of when someone looks at you one micro fraction of a second too long to register that and interpret that signal to go, oh, that person would actually be very receptive to me going up and just saying, hey, and just saying what's going on today. Whether it be an old man, older woman, where it might be uh, absolutely feisty Latino, or it might be some uh, sexy feminina, whatever it might be, whatever it might be, some just some just some surfing dude who just looks like a cool guy to hang out with, whatever whoever it may be, but you register that fourth microfraction. Can you act upon it? Is the next step. That's the next step. I'm not sure why we got into this tactic, but we're getting into it anyway. You get to that next step, which is that now to act. Oh, I know where we are with this because this is this is how you just meet people. This is a, this is a this is the progression of your social dynamics. And then and then all of a sudden, you have, well, not maybe not all of a sudden for some people, for me it certainly wasn't, but, yeah, but it will feel like that when you get to this place. It does feel like all of a sudden that all of a sudden your feet are just moving and that your hand's out and you're going, hey, my name's Adam, what's going on? Yet you, you, didn't, you didn't have to give them any pre-context. You didn't have to give them anything. It's just this is an organic situation. We have a pre-loaded context, which is that we're both at the beach we're both at the supermarket. You looked at me slightly too long, so I'm coming over and extending my hand and saying, my name's Adam, right? Say, so, hey, how's it going? My name's Adam. I have incepted too many, too many relationships, friendships, sexually polarized, non-sexually polarized in that exact methodology. 
in which that you just look, you just maintain the eye contact the entire way. I've discussed this on my Instagram story so many times. Not as of recent, but uh, particularly when COVID started last year, is how you can force people to engage you through eye contact. And I don't mean that in an aggressive way. I mean that your eye contact is so solid. It's so empty. It's so vessel-like. It's so comforting and warming. And see, a lot of people would interpret the word empty with being cold. But I want you to think of empty eye contact as in coming to them empty. And that inspires a feeling of warmth. Because if you know that the way that someone looks at you is that, oh, they're not coming to me with preconceived notions. They don't want anything from me. They don't need anything from me. They don't try to take anything from me. They are purely just here with me. That is what I'm talking about, empty eye contact. If you can look at someone empty, not devoid, not devoid of humanness, of humanity, of compassion, of love and a peace of joy. The opposite. You're, just, you're so empty of ego is what I'm discussing here. You're so empty of your own egoic beliefs, negative self-perceptions, your, your attachments. You're so empty of all of these egoic perceptions that you're just there with them. You know, that's your eyes. You can look at someone like that, it forces them to engage you. I practice this every single day of my life. I know we're in this tactics, but because I go out, I spend a lot of time in my day outside, if not on the way to the gym and back, but also at the beach, of course. And and again and again, I practice this. Again and again, I practice this. It's just don't say anything. Just hold an eye contact that is so inviting, so warm, so empty of my own ego, and just see what they do with it. Now, what happens, my friends? Does this, Adam, so how would you ever get through your walks if this tactic is so as powerful as you say that it forces everyone to engage with you? No, it does not. It does not force everyone to engage with you, but it does force everyone to recognize, to acknowledge. Here's a differentiation point I need to make. When you have this type of eye contact, it's polarizing. It either draws people in or it pushes people away. Not because it's aggressive or not because it's unempathetic, incompassionate, or negative in any way, shape, or form. Not at all. There's no malice behind it at all. It's nothing but love. It's nothing but. But people carry their own baggage. People carry their own hurt. They have deep hurt lockers. And when you see, actually, you see this quite regularly, that when you try and bring positivity to someone who's in a negative space, they almost get more negative. Sometimes they try and fight your positivity with their negative to see if they can be more negative than you are positive. Can happen as well with eye contact. If your eye contact is so strong, so grounded, so present, so loving, so empty, if they aren't able to accept the nature of their eye contact, the nature of where they're at in their lives, they can get pushed away. Not because you push them away, but because they're choosing to push away from you. Shut up. Yes, <laughs> it came out, it came out. And so I see this all the time. And so that's when, when, and you notice this because it's undeniable. And this is a point that I really love because this is a practice, a skill that I've been practicing for a long time. It's undeniable when you train your eye contact and your steel, your resolve to such a degree in which that I'm going to, this person coming at me right now, I will not break eye contact with them. I will look at them as if they are my child. I love them. And you, just, you go straight into them and you hold it the entire way through. And you can tell when someone is actively choosing to not 
make eye contact. You can see they'll just literally, some people will go to the extent of turning their head a full 45 degrees, if not 90, like 90 degrees. So they're at a right angle while walking straight ahead. It's like, listen, that's very dangerous from an occupational health and safety standpoint. <laughs> You gotta, you gotta trip over. You know, you gotta even see what's in front of you. But also, it's like, why are you going out of your way to not look at me in the eyes to that degree? It's worse now because I know that you're doing that because it's so obvious. It's like, you could be more subtle, bro. But, but of course, they are doing that because of their own self inadequacy, because of their own inability to accept themselves in the state that they're in. The pain that they're dealing with is too great. And uh, listen, I'm very compassionate and empathetic to it. You don't know what that person's dealing with. You don't know what battle they're dealing with. Maybe they just try to commit suicide that morning. Maybe they, one of their mates committed suicide that morning. You have absolutely no idea. So, of course, we never judge them for that. Like You don't, you don't ill wish upon them for that. But you notice and you, you learn through your worldliness now, psychological maturity, which all this came from, that that's, that's one person. That's someone. I didn't get validated by them. That's okay. I wasn't looking for it. You have to deal with that. You've, listen, let's be honest, my friends. You feel like a bit of a dick in terms of feel like you've, you're fooled. You goofed. It's like, man, I really wanted to make eye contact. I really wanted to give them my love. They wouldn't have a bar of it. They denied me. They denied me. Did they though? Or did they deny themselves? Ooh. Did they deny you or did they deny themselves? Key interpretation. Reframe. Mindset. If your genuine intent was just to give them love, peace, and joy, then there was no denying to be had of you. You never could be denied. Inexhaustible is that source of energy. If you truly didn't require anything from them, how could you ever be denied? Hmm. They were denying the, the receipt. They denied the ability to receive is what we are discussing there. Just really key here, really key. So that's what I'm discussing is that on one part that you will get, you will get a lot of people who won't engage with it, but at the same time, you will get, if not the same amount, likely a lot more. You will get, actually, if I was to look at my grand experiences of doing this, of just holding this type of eye contact with people over the last, whatever, 10, 15 years I've been doing this consciously, probably not that long. Consciously, eh, 10 years, I'd say 10 years last year, 10 years probably consciously been training this type of eye contact since I was 18, essentially. You will force people to, and I say force, it's not the right word. You will draw people to engage you. You will draw them in which that they just can't help but come up to you. They can't help but walk up to you to, if not actually shake your hand, but to just say hey to you, to, for them to be the first one to say g'day, for them to be the first one to say how are you today, to say what, just yesterday, just yesterday, there was a couple Swedish Older women, that one was like probably, eh, I'd be generous. They'd probably say they were like 55. Let's say 55. Could have been a little bit older. Let's just say 55. But that was spry. That was spry. They were on the beach. They were taking photos with the birds. They were in the shallows. And I was walking through and I was, I was, I was lubing it up. I was super lubed up. I don't mean that literally. I wasn't dripping in lube, but I was, my body was loose. Okay. <laughs> It's a good visual. And so I was walking through and I hit that I hit that laser. I hit that legendary eye contact. We hit the we hit the LEC, legendary eye contact, I hit that leg. And and so she and one of them just like stops taking photos with the birds and just dead 
dead connection. Just when I say dead, I mean a deadlock. Just a lock connection to me for a good five seconds. I'm just walking through. I'm just holding in the ice. And it's like, I'm not going to say, not that I'm thinking this anymore, but I know that's the program. It's like, you don't say shit. You hold that eye contact either until they break or they say something. And of course, but of course you don't think, you use that as training wheels, but at a certain point you don't have to think it anymore. You're just present with them. Hold the eye contact and smile into it. Of course she goes, it's a beautiful day, isn't it? She got like, yes, it is. Yes, it is. I hope you're having a good one. And she's like, yes, I am. And she was, but she lingered. She lingered again. And it's like, there's a lot of lingering at the end of it. At the end of the walk, when I was on the way back, came back again. She's like, ah, she can't, she engaged me first. She goes, ah, we cross paths again. And I'm like, yes, we do. Yes, we do. And she goes, what is, what is your name? What is your name? And I'm like, my name is Adam. And she was already the, I don't think she heard me at the time, the wind was kicking. But I said, what's your name? And she said something, but I couldn't hear her because we had just walked past but all, this is like a micro of micros in which that all I had to do was just look at someone and not break the eye contact. And all of a sudden, you go to human connection that forms a little bit of worldliness that now builds into your chest, your bank, your bank account. It is an investment in your psychological maturity fund, right? In your, in your PMF, your psychological maturity fund, worldliness is key. And we've gone off on the deep end of micro tactics all i was trying to do was summarize worldliness of, of what it does of what it does because it's worldliness is to me is what when i look at now we can get into some current day examples of the younger girls that have been trying to kick up a little bit lately <clears throat> when i when i get involved with a younger girl these days the separation in worldliness is, I'm not going to say embarrassing. It's not the right word. It's intense. It's intense. Now, this is not just because, yes, I have traveled a lot of part of the world, into a lot of different parts of the world. We're going to start to get, we'll get to physical dominance after this. <clears throat> Yes, I do have a lot of actual literal in the literality of what worldliness means to actually have gone around the world. I've not been to all parts of the world. There's a lot of parts that I haven't been to, but I've been to, hey, let, me, let me give you a picture. I've been to South Pacific Islands, New Zealand, Malaysia, Indonesia, Japan, New York, US, East Coast US, Miami, Los Angeles, Toronto, Canada, UK, Italy. And there might be a couple of us I'm forgetting that. That's, that's the majority. That's the majority. Yeah, that's the majority. Okay. So I've covered a, I've covered a few places. I've covered a, definitely if you just put it into one nutshell, Sydney, New York, London, Tokyo. I've been to a lot of the major cities of the world, right? But I have not been to so many places I've not been to. But anyways, anyways, anyways. And done a lot of traveling. Also, it's not just that I've been there on one trip. It's across my life that I've been in doing international travel, interstate travel as well amassing psychological maturity because you just fuck up so much when you are traveling. You make so many mistakes. Most of my travel has been done solo. Most of my travel has been done for the purpose of coaching to go work with clients. Uh, a couple of trips. I've only taken two trips. The last trip that I took that was a personal trip was to Los Angeles for a 10-day just, just spiritual cataclysm of multi-planetary universal parallel conceptualization. (laughs) 
if any of you, if anyone listening to this hanged with that, I, I'm impressed because I don't even know what I just said. <laughs> what I'm talking about is I just I spent 10 days in uh, Los Angeles just meditating on the beach and walking up the coastline, doing like ungodly amounts of steps up the coastline. I just went to Los Angeles to do that. Anyways, anyways, in Venice Beach, started in Venice Beach. So, why did I mention this? Why did I mention the multiverse, the multi-planetary conceptualization? I have no fucking idea. Uh, that's, brilliant. that's brilliant. Anyways, the worldliness. Here we go. That's what we're doing. The worldliness. So, oh, across different stages of life. So, what it means is that you know, it's one thing to go and do a Kentucky tour and across you know and do a trip around the world once across you know one year of your life but to have been traveling the world from a very young age I think the first time I went overseas I lived in the UK for nine months or so I went to school there when I was seven years old first time I went overseas was when I was seven years old so ever since seven years old to 20 so I have about 20 years of throughout my life on and off going around the world in terms of worldliness there's that but it's not just that. It's the mistakes you make along the way is what I'm really talking about. It doesn't really matter how many countries you have on your passport. You just go to one country that's foreign to you and just make mistakes day after day. You're going to accumulate a lot of worldliness. This is what I'm talking about, the psychological maturity. And so now that I'm in 27, 28 years old, and now if I come across an 18-year-old girl, come across an 18-year-old girl, and I'm almost 28, let's just say 28, even though it's next month. I say I'm 28, she's 18. The baby-daddy relationship, which is what this podcast is really about, it's fucking intense. It's very intense. It's even with the feistiest of girls that I come across, because there are 18-year-old girls that are bloody feisty, that are, I guess some hot femininas, some absolute femininas, as Kramer would have said. Hey, ladies, uh, some femininas, some major femininas is what Kramer would have said on Seinfeld. Some some major femininas. <laughs> what I'm talking about is their willingness to get feisty, to get wild with you, to fucking fight with you, to not only physically fight with you, but to more so psychologically, as we haven't talked about. We will talk about the physical dominance. Listen, we're only an hour and a bit into this podcast. I, I, it's just my mind is so warped in terms of time perspective. It's like we used to do six-hour podcasts, and this just would have felt like the intro, but I guess because this is not a social Q&A. Uh, I haven't got the back and forth between you two, so I generally get through things faster. But today, yes, today is very much we're getting the story. We're getting we're getting the deep, deep stories of things. So, anyways, get back on the eighteen year old. So I got to just remind myself to slow down a little bit. Not trying to rush this shit. I don't rush this shit. Come across an eighteen year old now, as feisty as she may be, she she can't be too feisty for me. There's nothing an eighteen year old can throw me. No tantrum, no intensity of sexual energy, no, no confusion, no mystery, no ambiguity to what she is thinking, doing, attempting to receive and invite from me that is going to throw me off. Absolutely no way. Now, this. Is there a chip? Have you met every girl in the world? I don't know. I have not met every girl in the world, Jeffrey. But it is what I'm talking about is that you could, the odds, the odds of me meeting an 18 year old girl that would challenge me in a psychological, for psychological maturity. The odds of me meeting a younger girl, 18 year old girl that would challenge me for psychological maturity and wish that she's on the same level as me, which is what does that to say? That not only she can provide me 
with the vessel that we have discussed, the emotional vessel, the universe-sized emptiness, plane of emptiness in which that my planetary-sized emotions could come in and find alignment. There's no, I, I can't imagine an 18-year-old girl that could provide that for me. Can't even imagine it. Have not seen it. Can't even imagine it. I'm sure it's possible. I'm sure in this world of infinite possibilities, in the world of 10,000 things, as Lao Tzu would have said, I'm sure it's possible. Anything is possible. I will not deny the possibility. But what I will say is that the odds are so unlikely. I would prefer to put my money on getting struck by lightning just walking out the door right now. That's what I'm talking about. In terms of her being able to provide the emotional vessel that, I'm, that we've talked about in terms of psychological maturity. But in terms of the ability for her to challenge me on judgment maturity, on, on worldliness, on her ability to be worldly, which is just the pure ability to say to... Because now if you think about the effect of worldliness, we've talked about what worldliness is, but the effect of it is that I always got this. I've got you and I've got this, which is to say, it's nothing you're going to do that is going to ever unbalance me. Nothing you can say, nothing you can do will ever unbalance me. Whoever is more worldly has that. The person who is more worldly will adorn that position. And the person underneath, it's on them to try and challenge it day in and day after, just to go at you, go at you, see if they can shake that worldliness. And that is what a baby-daddy relationship is very much like, which is where another story comes to play of when I was in high school, when I was in my last year of high school, where it was even more prevalent that I would find baby-daddy relationships of younger girls that would show a lot of sexual interest in me. But, but looking back on it now, it's like, why were they always so feisty? <laughs> why were they always trying to shake the boat? Why were they always trying to start shit, is what I'm saying. And even looking at my natural friends who had even far more sexual abundance than when I was in high school with younger girls. It's like there was always this tension, tension between the two, between these younger girls always trying to start shit, always trying to rile them up, always trying to do what, my friends? Try to unbalance their worldliness, their psychological maturity. Now, you might think, but see, even as, now as, you, as long as you understand that worldliness does not mean how many fucking passport stamps you have, what it means is your reference of human experience, essentially. That is what worldliness is. Across a vast array, a vast broad array of uh, locations, spaces, time, energies, how much have you accumulated of this experience and most importantly fucked up and then rectified to learn something from? Even at year 12, right? Year 12 has got that in spades on a year nine, year 10 girl. She's always trying to rattle them. She's always trying to rile them up. She's always trying to fucking shake things up. So I was trying to cop and say, listen, Mac, you look like a bit of a dork today. <laughs> listen, Adam. Adam, why do you always look so tired? Adam, what why are you such why are you such a bad guy? <laughs> Adam, you're always so mean to me. You're always so fucking mean to me. Why do you ever give me a compliment? Why don't you ever say nice things to me, Adam? I always try to fucking shake the boat. Never happy. Never happy with anything that you say. You see fucking Johanna in the, in the, at lunchtime, sit down the oval with her friends. You walk by, she's like two, three years younger than you. You walk by, she's like, Joe, what's up? She's like, is that it? That's all you're going to say to me? And I'm like, what, what else did you fucking want? And she's like, you don't even hug me. 
You didn't even hug me. I'm like, you don't even deserve it. And so what you're talking about, this is the baby daddy relationship that you would never or very rarely experience. I can't even, no, it is never. It is never Jerry, which is that, which is that you would not experience that with a girl at your same age level. And most importantly, it's not the chronological age. It's the age level of psychological maturity. You have to have a gap in psychological maturity of who's more worldly, who's got more reference of human experience versus the other. Because in that polarity, we find the sexualization of, I'm going to try and shake this guy up. I'm going to try and rattle this guy up. I'm going to try and get him to fuck up, to make a mistake. Why? Because it's enticing. It's energetic. It's, it's the spice of life. It's the flame. It's the fire. That I, and I said before, guys, if you light up a fire, which I've got right here, there's a fire lit right next to me in this candle. It's like you want to touch it. You want, I want to touch the fire. And that is very much what is happening in a baby daddy relationship is that the girl looks at the older guy and goes, that's a very hot fire. It's an extremely hot fire that I have not really experienced before. I don't know what's going to happen if I try and touch that fire, aka rile him up, aka talk shit to him, aka try to start shit with him, right? Start shit with him in front of his friends, start shit in front of my friends and see what he's going to do. I'm going to fucking poke this bear. I'm going to touch this fire, see if I can get, see how hot it is, see how hot this shit is, right? That is sexually very invigorating. It's what is the baby daddy relationship because she would not be so inclined to do that with someone her age because that relationship, the space, the gap is not there in relationships with guys of her age. They have very similar levels of psychological maturity in terms of their ability to provide emotional vessel and the ability to be worldly, to have reference of human experience. And it just, that was a great rap. Now, okay, maybe we can now start to get to physical dominance. Because what I'm picturing there, and what I'm, hopefully you guys got the real feeling for that when you start to role play some of that, or not even role play, that's actually just what some, remembering some old conversations, I can still see it to this day. I remember, I remember still she it to this day. <clears throat> what I got on with that was that the girls that try and rile you up, try and shake your shit, why are they trying to shake your shit? Because they want to see how hot the fire is, they will see if they can unbalance you. Like we started on the point of see if they can unbalance this shit. That's a part of it. Try and test your frame. Absolutely. But a big part of it is also how hot's the fire? How hot is the fire? And that is probably where we start to get to physical dominance, I would say. Yeah, I reckon. I reckon. So let's take a step back here. By a younger girl, it's like older guys age up. We've gone through psychological maturity. I think we've covered it enough now. I think I've gotten what I need to get out. It's good shit. Okay, let's talk about physical dominance here. Physical dominance is things going to get very sexual now. Hmm. So let's just get the giant panda in the room out of the way, which is not me, by the way. You racist sons of bitches. <laughs> uh, uh, <laughs> uh, well, I am a panda. I'm not giant. <laughs> Five seven, bro. Okay, so <laughs> physical dominance. The giant panda in the room is, of course, well, you guys might go, well, why a younger girl would age up to an older guy is just because he can do things that a guy her age can't physically do. If a girl, girl girls at thirteen are probably roughly maybe five, 10 kilos, not even, probably the discrepancy of weight between 13-year-old girls and 13-year-old boys is probably not that much, 
Actually, it's probably not that huge, huge of a discrepancy. It's really not until guys really get their testosterone flowing, they start to hit those growth spurts, they start to get through year 10, year 11, and 12. Now, all of a sudden, they're shooting up, they're putting on muscle. I'm going to fucking jacked, right? That's, that's when the explosive growth starts happening. You start to see this huge discrepancy in weight. Where he's now you're starting to see 15, 20 kilo differences in weight distribution and difference, I should say, between male to female. So the giant panda in the room is that why a younger girl will go after an older guy is just because he's stronger. The older guy's just going to be stronger. But what does that mean, my friends? Why would, a, why would that be enticing? Why would getting with a stronger guy be more enticing? Because is, it, is sexual pleasure derived from force? That's a brilliant question. For some girls, it is. I don't know that many girls at a younger age it is. For some women, though, as they get older on, start to develop a taste, start to develop a real taste for force in their sexual play. Their sexual appetite Appetite, their sexual appetite starts to scale up from, you look at zero being absolute vanilla, 10 being the uh, absolute roasted macadamia. And what I'm talking about there is the 10 being sexually filthy and zero being sexually plain, sexually curious being five in the middle. It's really not until a girl gets, I mean, I've seen some sexually filthy girls at roughly 16. That's rare. That's rare. That's our lies. That's our lies for sure. And really, I'm referencing that from when I was that age. But, you know, you don't see really eight, nine, ten sexually filthy girls until at least, at least 18. Of, but even then, it's going to take a few years for them to develop that. And what is that really? De- what are we talking about? We're talking about sexual filth. We're talking about public shit and very physically aggressive shit. We're talking about they want to get choked. They want their hair pulled. They want to be spanked. They want to be brought to within inches of consciousness. That they, they want to get the PPM, the pumps per minute. They want to get ragdolled. They want to get smashed as hard as they possibly can, not just in terms of, and I don't mean black eyes, that's a whole different level. And there are, there is a fraction of society of women that do want that. And that's some, that's some very hectic shit, right? This, I'm, this something that I'm not willing to go into. I'm never going to give a woman a black eye, even if she asked me to in sexual play. I'm just not going to do it. Can't do it. I'll choke, I'll choke someone out. No problem because they can recover from that easily. But the black the black eye leaves a fucking mark on their face. Like, it's too much. I'm not going to put a right hand on a woman, like, even if she wants it, because she asked for it. No, it's like, I can't do that. can't do it. I can do it. I don't want to do it. Okay, anyways, anyways. Anyways, all I was saying there is it typically takes a few years for girls to develop their sexual appetite to sexual filth. In which that physical force would start to play and physical strength would start to make a play in terms of, ah, is this guy my daddy or not? Being the daddy for a girl is not just about being psychologically mature than her. You got a, you got a guy who's able to provide a strong emotional vessel, can take all of her shit and take all of her emotional wildness, her wildness, her, electricity key check check you got a guy who is worldly deep human reference mature in that way yeah check check but is an absolute weakling it's an absolute shrimp is an absolute fish couldn't choke her to death even if he tried yet that's actually what she wanted ah 
She wanted to see how hot the fire could get. Not Never did she want to die. She just wanted to see, does he have the ability to? Ah, and here we go. Kachidae, Minasan. Kachidae. This way. Come this way. It's not that, and we've discussed, by the way, guys, we have discussed this in the Sexual Appetite Social Q&A podcast. Just go back, type in the channel, uh, Sexual Appetite Explained. Or is it called Sexual Appetite? Yeah, it is. There is one that's definitely called Sexual Appetite. We can go, we go into more into it there, but I'll go into it here. <clears throat> it's not that a woman ever wants you to put her unconscious, for the most part. We're just talking generalities here. Generally speaking, a woman does not want to go unconscious when she says, choke me, daddy. Generally speaking, she does not want to have blood drawn when she says, spank me, daddy. Generally speaking, what does she want? She wants to know that you could. She wants to be brought within inches of what that experience would be, not to go the full way, because then that's breaking, for a lot of women, it's breaking the borderline of trust. But she wants to know that she could trust you to the delivery point of bringing me within seconds of losing my consciousness while bringing me sexual pleasure. And now we start to look at a relationship between force and sexual pleasure. This is where this all stemmed from. Because I tell you this right now, my friends, being 28 years old right now, I was with a 25-year-old girl just the other month. Specifically, she was 25. And all she wanted was the force. That's all she wanted. And of course, she wanted everything else. But what I'm saying, all she wanted is that that was primary. Primary request from her was that you need to choke the shit out of me. You got to choke the shit out of me. Do it. Do it. And I'm like, all right. But you just tell me when you had enough. It's like, because she's really egging me on with it. And you got to remember, because some of you younger guys are going, but 25, like, if you're an 18 year old guy listening to this, you're like, 25, that's a fucking woman. Yeah, not if you're 28, though. Nah. Now, again, now, but no, no, not not if you're listening to this podcast. Because if you're listening to this podcast, what you understand is that a 28-year-old is not a 28-year-old. In terms of it, it doesn't determine your daddy status. There are many 28-year-old guys out there that would not inspire a baby-daddy relationship in which that she would look at you and call you daddy from a psychological standpoint and from a physical dominance standpoint. That she feels like, oh, this is this guy is so more mature than me on a psychological and physical level that he's basically my daddy, and I'm going to get off on that. There's a deep sexual rise that comes out from that. It's a it's a it's a fuel that is quite quite intoxicating. It's very intoxicating. It's like when you're at the bloody pumpo, you're at you're at the you're at the OTR, and then all of a sudden you just you're filling up your car. And you just get a whiff of that fuel, and it's like, Jesus Christ. It's like, you guys ever just smell fuel? It's like, ugh. It's like, it's so strong, though, that you kind of want to smell it a little more. It's like, it's so fucking detestable. It's disgusting. It puts you in a retort. But its intensity attracts you, it allures you, it brings you in. And that is very much a great description of the baby to daddy relationship. It's almost unbearable. Uh, and oh, we're getting off on such stories here. We get off on such fucking stories. I, I keep forgetting to finish stories because one story leads to the next. I was going to say it's almost unbearable for some babies to get with certain daddies because of the intensity of the baby daddy relationship, in which that it just fucking destroys them, it blows them out. 
we'll talk about that next. We'll get to that next. But I'm going to finish the story of this 25-year-old girl in terms of the relational force to sexual pleasure. You would be a social justice warrior of the highest degree to deny that some women don't request, sorry, that to, that to deny that women can request and do enjoy force along with sexual pleasure. Just look at the fucking movie Fifty Shades of Grey and the sales those books did. Right? There, there is a very common thing, much more common than 21st century society is willing to describe, that you'll see on Channel 7, Channel 9, or Channel 10. You, will, you turn on the TV tonight, and let's say there's a, uh, a little segment on sexual pleasure and where people get sexual pleasure from. You will not hear this. You will not hear a panel of women come on and say, and, and to be interviewed and to honestly be asked, do you gain sexual pleasure with relative force with trust obviously trust predicated that i know that he's not going to do anything that would cause actual damage but would take me within inches of that you will not see that you will not get that you have to go to independent independent thought spaces such as this that tell it how it really is which is that i was with a and i've been with not even just the woman i was referencing from the last month and I don't really, I don't, to be honest, I'm using the word woman because younger guys relate to that. But to be honest, I saw her as a girl, even though actually she was quite mature. She's very mature, actually. But because of our gap in psychological and physical maturity, there was that baby daddy relationship. And so, anyways, we get, we're just talking about development there and you get stuck in the word game. So anyways, anyways, force is a thing is all I want to put on here. Isn't that? We started this conversation of physical dominance and why that inspires a baby daddy relationship and why a younger girl would go after an older guy because the giant panda in the room, which so many of you attributed me to be the giant panda. <laughs> the giant panda is that, well, of course, an older guy has just got to be stronger, but we have to understand why that's important. Why that's important is because a younger guy likely just doesn't have the physical strength to bring her within inches of her life, just especially at younger ages. Now, as they get up, as they get up, and when I talk about a younger guy, like a younger guy, not only in reference to her age, but also a guy of her same age as well. But while he may have the physical capacity, don't get that twisted. You may have heard what I just said and get it, and got it twisted, I realized. I should have been a little bit clearer of that. My apologies. He has the human capacity, the biological, physiological, mechanic capacity to bring her advantages of her life, I'm sure, at 16, at 12, I'm sure he, a 12-year-old could punch someone out if that, pers- if that person just let them. I'm sure that could happen. Choke him out, I'm sure. That's fine. I'm not saying that's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is that does he have such a gap in physical strength that even to apply only 30, 40, 60% of it would bring her within inches of losing consciousness and bring inches of real physical damage and does he have the maturity to control that, to play with that? Because if you look at the relationship between sexual pleasure and force, straight force is not sexually enticing. It has to come with a dance of sexual pleasure. No woman is just going to lie down there on the bed and say, choke me, and that's it. It's like, and that's what she's going to have an orgasm from, just, just purely from getting choked. No, you're also going to need to slide yourself inside her and be drilling her at the same time and to be also kissing her and to also be wrapping your tongue around her nipples and to be doing all other, all other 
I was going to say unmentionables, but we just mentioned them. So <laughs> not unmentionable. <laughs> I used to say that back in the day before I started using sexually explicit words and just said, fuck it, if these things get demonetized. <laughs> I used to say and unmentionables. I used to say it all the time, but now uh, they are mentionable. So kind of goofed on that. <laughs> uh, so anyways, all manners of... Uh, of ex- of extreme sexual play, all manners of incredibly sexually sexual delicacy, sexual delicacy, and I don't mean that being delicate. I mean that in terms of culinary delight, sexual culinary delight. You will need to engage in all of these things along with the force. Simply choking her will not bring her to orgasm. You will also need to be penetrating deep inside her. You will also need to be doing many other things with her body, with her legs, and her limbs and her skin. Do her hair. Oh, man. Oh, mama. You will need to be doing these things is all I'm saying. The force is not enough. The force is not the only thing. It needs to come with the dance. Which, which is why you'd be confused what I said before is if, because, yeah, you might have the physical capacity at 16 to cause some damage, but that's not what it's about. And that's not what she's testing either. That's not what she's getting off on. What the baby gets off on in a baby-to-daddy relationship is could he do this to me? Could he choke me out? Could he cause real damage? And does he have the ability to control it in a sexually enticing way in which that all levels of sexually, spiritual, physical, and mental culinary delights could be experienced, right? That's what we're talking about there. Hopefully that paints it out for you, that it's, it's really a relationship. It's not just one thing. You know, because I've got clients who are early 20s, mid 20s, late 20s, got a couple 30s as well that have been through this, which is that they have the physical capacity to choke a girl. I have no doubt if they had to, gun to the head, they probably could choke a girl out and put her unconscious. And I don't mean that with technique. I mean that like if you use the right technique, that would make it biomechanically a lot easier to do, aka a rear naked choke or a guillotine or something, whatever. But Head and arm triangle. Um, head and arm choke, I should say. Ah. It's not that they couldn't do that. What I'm saying is that a lot of them don't have the psychological capacity to either want to do that or to know how to do that with sexual play. There you go. Because, yeah, it's actually now just that's a great point, actually, just stepping back and looking at it that I've had a, coached a lot of clients that have described to me baby daddy relationships in which that, oh, I was going to mention a client story, I will in a second actually, now that we're on it, yeah, with one of my clients, but this is not specific to that story. This is just a general point, which is that I've had yeah guys that uh, definitely could easily spank a girl, could easily choke her, pull her hand, do all the things that she's actually requesting, but he's unable to, unwilling to. And so the baby daddy relationship is not there. It was on offer though. It was on opportune. It was opportune for him to engage in that relationship, was not willing to though. Physical dominance is not just brute strength. It's not, it's really not. It's it's not how big are your pecs. It's not how much can you deadlift. It's not how much you can throw down. It's not the PPM. It's not your cardiovascular ability to pump her out. It's not that at all. The physical dominance lies in knowing what it is 
that is going to physically turn her on in combination with force and then being able to apply that force in control. To have awareness for what it is that she wants to experience, to know what her fire is and to just take her in and not burn her, not disintegrate her, not, that's the best word, to not disintegrate her and disembowel her, but to just give her a little taste, just give her a little singe. Get a little singe of it. And I think about this with choking. It's like you don't need to be a Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu black belt. You don't need to be 100, 120 kilo silverback to be able to choke a girl out while having sex with her. Because that's never what she was looking for. And that's not what incepts the baby-daddy relationship. The baby-daddy relationship, from a physical dominance standpoint, is just that you can show her that you could do that. And you don't have to be physically massive or expensive expertise to be able to do those things they're very simple things it's a it's very interesting though how now the psychological is coming back in that's really what i'm kind of done a dance i'm almost dancing but now i'll get to it which is that a key component of the physical dominant side of the baby daddy relationship is psychological while it is not psychological in the macro in terms of what we talked about before with psychological maturity what we're talking about here is the mentality the mentality to apply force and to be so in commune and connection with her to be riding her wavelength of what pleasure she desires and to deliver that force whatever the force may be choking spanking hair pulling biting etc you can have you can have a 120 kilo deadlift no problem but if you don't have the mindset while you're having sex with her to play daddy is what I'm saying here. Yeah. Yeah, this is, fuck, yeah. So now another story comes up, which is this. Okay, this is where things are going to get really sexual. I'll bring up a client story after this. So I told you guys that I didn't want to do this podcast until I got older, even though I've been thinking about it since I was literally 13 years old probably. Yeah, since I entered high school really. I've been thinking about this and, and you know, I, was, I didn't have this channel. I haven't been doing this podcast since I was 13. It'd be amazing if I had been though. <laughs> but uh, no, over the last six years I've been doing this podcast and I've been thinking about it a lot since then. And I've, it's only just today that I've decided, yeah, now it feels good because I just have amassed so many reps of being in baby daddy relationships that I just understand this stuff. I understand what's going on. And now I can give you guys real world stories of it. Here's one in particular. When I was early 20s and let's go both. We'll talk about real world interactions. Well, I was going to say real world versus digital. Like in terms of girls you met online versus girls you met in the real world. We'll talk both. We'll talk both. 